Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news, culture and media. My name is Nicky and I'm joined as always by Greg. Hey Nicky, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a, I'm a summer bachelor because my family have gone back to the UK. So now I've got nothing but time on my hands. So what are you doing to fill the time on your hands? What have I done? I completed The Last of Us Part 2 the other day. Oh, how is it? Yeah, it's really good. Uh, it's really, really good. I can't really tell you much about it without spoiling it because there's a few, uh, like the sort of story. Yeah, it's really good. Really enjoyed it. And I kind of I promised myself a bit of a 1980s film renaissance, but so far I've only watched National Lampoon's Vacation. So you haven't been watching any Scottish 80s films? Uh, not yet, but I will. Well, but, we can't talk about that. This is yeah. a, a culture swally. Yeah, I know. I'll, 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 I'll save the 80s Scottish films for future episodes of the podcast. But um, yeah, no, I was just... I, I, I mean, I say an 80s renaissance. It was more sort of John Hughes scripted or directed films. Well, at least that'll keep you busy. And <laughs> we will find plenty of stuff to keep you occupied on the podcast. Absolutely. So... Thank you very much, uh, everyone, for downloading. Uh, just to reiterate, I, I know you've listened to our first few episodes, but Greg and I have been friends for a long time, and we like to keep up to date with all the news and culture from around Scotland. And we thought it would be a great idea to record it for you guys. Yep. We don't both currently reside in Scotland. Nicky's in Amsterdam. Um, I'm in the Middle East. I, I won't say where, not because I'm on like some secret government work or anything like that, just because it's, let's just say, one of the more conservative Middle Eastern countries. As Nicky says, you know, we're very proud of where we come from. Uh, we're particularly enthusiastic about Scottish movies, music, uh, films, TV shows over the, over the last sort of 40, 50 years. So as well as discussing some of the lighter uh, Scottish news stories that we've come across online over the last week or so. Uh, each week we'll discuss a, hopefully a seminal piece of um, Scottish cinema or, uh, or, or, or a television show. So shall we make a start on the news? Yeah, let's crack yeah. on with the news. What have you found this week that has entertained you in our bonny homeland? Well, <laughs> I found a particularly good one. But I, I don't want, I don't know if, I'll maybe keep it for last. The first one, so obviously with the, the current health crisis, Scotland and the rest of the UK have been starting to open up things again over the last sort of four or five weeks. Restaurants have been closed, obviously, because they're seen as a, as a high-risk area for transmission and whatnot. So a lot of the drive-throughs for like McDonald's and Burger King, KFC and such have been have been reopening over the last few weeks, and they've been very very busy. Uh, you know we're not the heart disease capital of Europe for nothing, and people have been flocking back to get their their favourite fast food. So the headline that caught my eye comes from the Daily Record: Nay luck as horse box gets stuck in Scots KFC drive-through. Punters in Kirkcaldy couldn't believe their eyes at the fast food joint in the town's central retail park. Uh, there's some photographs there of the horse box. It says, a, a Scots KFC car queue ground to a halt after a horse box got stuck in its drive through Images of the lodge box near one of the order windows were shared on social media under the caption, Horse Box Causing Havoc in KFC Kirkcaldy. Locals didn't hold back in their reaction to the peculiar problem. Uh, one wrote, the horse will be saying nay luck to folk waiting in the queue. <laughs> Another commented, there's some horsing around going on at KFC. And then a third person, scraping the barrel a wee bit now, I think probably the best two puns were taken by the time this person got on. Uh, a side portion of horseradish with my chicken bucket. The people of Fife know how to turn a tragedy into a bit of comedy. This isn't another horse meat scandal, is it? Like the Findus crispy pancakes that had horse meat in them. When was that? Like about nine, ten years ago? I believe it was. It wasn't even that long ago. I think it was around 2012 uh, when they found horse meat in. It wasn't just in Findus crispy pancakes. It was in, like, everything. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, very popular purveyors of red meat were found to have traces of horse meat in some of the more popular products. One guy actually, perhaps quite a highbrow commentator for uh, Fife, said uh, 
Kentucky Fried Cheval. Obviously, Cheval being the French word for horse. So, a scholar. Um, so, yeah, that was that was my first story. It's, it's good. I mean, obviously, I should point out that we are in no way saying that KFC contain horse meat in their products, um, just to make that clear. They, can, they uh, contain far course. worse ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they won't be a sponsor for the broadcast anytime soon. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> no, but that's great. And it shows the, the wonderful drive that people have for fast food in Scotland, that they are yeah. going to take their horse box into the KFC drive through So what's your story? What's your first story, Nicky? I, I was going to go with one first, but I'm going to keep it on a food-based level. Oh, okay. So this is from the Scottish Sun, and it is the headline is, Glasgow Dessert Takeaway, Smunchies, is investigated by Just Eat over abusive customer message claims. The gist of the story is that a Glasgow dessert shop is being investigated. Um, Smunchies, who are based in the Gallowgate area of Glasgow, have sent direct messages to a customer after placing an order. But these are abusive messages. Uh, effectively, a customer has made an order, then has collected the order, and then cancelled the order on Just Eat. Which I can imagine, and I can see the frustration of a, a small business owner you know, effectively you're losing money. They decided to direct message the customer, but they got the wrong customer. They sent a message to this woman, and it said, and I quote, You stupid little person, did you just order from us and collect order and make a refund complaint before expecting the order? If you, then clearly a little scumbag who is trying to test businesses and I know your pals with Lunch Glasgow, so tell them karma is a cunt. Listen, <laughs> God. I will find out who is rotten to the core and who is honest making business. So obviously grammar isn't the, you know, no. the selling point of smunchies in Glasgow. I'm sure they're a wonderful establishment and there has been no horse meat found in smunchies. <laughs> However, they are sending abusive messages to customers. The customer that they sent this to uh, replied with who the fuck are you talking to what are you even talking about smunchies then replied with in a hotel making dinghy orders or your just eat account uh, the woman replied look i've ordered a waffle once from you i don't know what you're talking about but i won't be using your business again that's for sure smunchies then replied with listen Small world, silly little girl. The customer replied, you're a crackpot. And Smunchies replied, you're a trampoline. <laughs> now, is that a Glasgow expression? You're a trampoline? I've never really heard that before as a term of abuse. No, it's... <laughs> Coming from Glasgow, living there for a long time, I've never heard anyone get called a trampoline in a, in a derogatory or indeed any other manner. <laughs> Since this uh, Smunchies have deleted all of their social media accounts so right. I've no idea if Smunchies is still open for business. They have obviously felt embarrassed about the messages they were sent in and uh, if you need a trampoline then Smunchies in Gallowgate <laughs> in Glasgow is your place to go. They're possibly going through a comprehensive rebranding exercise maybe. <laughs> Decided that Smunchies was a shite name anyway. So <laughs> I could imagine if it was Yura Balloon, but yeah. Yura Trampoline. I'm going to use that from now on. If anyone says anything, I'm going to be like Yura Trampoline. I wonder if <laughs> um, I wonder if perhaps there's like you and I chat quite a lot over WhatsApp, and we occasionally, if we're in a hurry, we sometimes fall victim to the autocorrect. You know, if you try to, if you're trying to spell a particular word and your phone just assumes that you want to spell a completely different word or perhaps she was going for something else or the or the person that was writing the the message to the customer was going for something else but i'm not sure what word what swear word would autocorrect 
the trampoline. It's a very strange... It's quite a specific word, though. I could imagine maybe usually was trying to call her a tramp, but that's not a very Glaswegian term. No, No, it's not. But uh, for her to say you're a trampoline, it's beautiful. I'm claiming that. I am going to use trampoline for now. Okay. So, uh, bouncing to the next story. <laughs> oh, my God. What have you got? What else have you seen? Well, this one also involves unpleasant behaviour. I should probably say before I read this that the, Scotland is very famous for having real gallows humour. I certainly don't condone any of what I'm about to describe, but it's still funny. And I'm sorry if you find it offensive, but it's funny. So the headline comes from the Daily Record. Drunk bigot screams anti-Catholic abuse at a dog and pulled trousers down at little boy's party. Just to... So this isn't two separate occurrences. That you you could be forgiven for thinking that from the way the headline's written. It all happened at the same time. The man's name is Brian Brian Montgomery. He dropped his trousers, shouted anti-Catholic abuse at a dog, and also assaulted two people at a little boy's 10th birthday party in Falkirk earlier this year. I'm sure we've had some other stories from Falkirk uh, in the last couple of episodes. So Brian Montgomery, who's 38, apparently, um, not sure why that's relevant, brandished a bottle at the little boy's mum Headbutted the youngster's uncle on the nose and punched out a light. He kicked off at the birthday party, which was held in May this year. There's a photograph of Brian uh, in his Rangers scarf. It's quite, it's quite a close-up um, of his face. It says Falkirk Sheriff Court heard on Thursday that the event at an address in the town's Hall Glen featured a barbecue and adults were drinking. Uh, the prosecutor, Caitlin French, said that about 8pm, the neighbours let out a dog and the accused shouted, and again, these aren't my, this is a, I'm not condoning this behaviour, right? <laughs> the accused shouted, fuck the Pope, you Fenian bastards. Miss French went on to say that the birthday boy then told his mother that Montgomery had pulled his trousers down in front of everyone. This meant Montgomery's own trousers, the uh, the reporters had to just validate there in case, you know. I mean, that it would be terrible if he pulled the wee boy's trousers down in addition to everything else that he's been doing. Um, the boy's That's a brother, whole different story. Yeah, we wouldn't, we, we, we wouldn't be having a laugh at it. If that, if, uh, well, we might. Um, the, the boy's mother confronted Montgomery, resulting in Montgomery calling her a slut and a fucking bint. The... Deputy Fiscal said two guests left the party because only two guests left the party because of the way Montgomery was behaving. And the boy and his mother went inside, followed by Montgomery, who was still shouting, calling the boy's mum, who had arranged the party, a fat cow and a fat slut. Miss French said the wee boy stated that the accused had ruined his birthday. But the accused replied to the boy, I've not fucking ruined your birthday. He then brandished a bottle and told the boy's mother, it's all your fault. I'll smack you with this. Miss French said the boy's uncle stood up to uh, stop Montgomery. Montgomery attempted to get the boy's mother and the boy began to cry. The fiscal said the boy and his mother ran away for safety and tried to call the police. But Montgomery grabbed the mother by the shoulder and continued to shout at her before punching out a light fitting. Uh, The boy's uncle then attempted to calm Montgomery down. Miss French said at this point the accused threw a bottle at him which missed and struck the wall. He then headbutted the boy's uncle, burst in his nose, and punched him in the head. He was arrested, uh, unsurprisingly, after the police turned up. And on the route to Falkirk Police Station, he kind of doubles down on his already inexcusable behaviour. He doubles down and starts shouting in the police car, Fuck off, get to fuck, fuck the Pope, and Fenian bastards. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if he's thought, well, I fucked it anyway, I might as well just go for broke you know so I, I, I can understand i mean obviously first of all we're not condoning domestic no. violence in any way we're laughing but it's it's an amusing story the fact that he is shouting sectarian abuse at a dog yeah we kind of i, I kind of glossed over that a wee bit i, I mean that's the, the the main part of the story really that's yeah. that's the bit that fascinates me did he think it was hoopy the huddle hound <laughs> that he was shouting sectarian abuse at. 
the Did Celtic he just mascot. Think, oh, it's yeah, the Celtic mascot. Because obviously, as you said, he's a he's pictured in his Ranger scarf. He's obviously a staunch Rangers man. Obviously, shouting abuse about the Pope. So. Did he just get confused? Does he just not like dogs? If it, if it was a bear, if the neighbour had a bear and he let him out in the garden, would he be giving thumbs up and saying, all right, Broxy? <laughs> so I wonder then, obviously Celtic have, Celtic have always been a, a successful team, but they've been particularly successful over the last eight years or so since Rangers went uh, tits up and they've been arguably the strongest team in the Scottish Premiership. So are, are, are all these like die-hard Rangers fans who every time they see the Huddle Hound appearing at another Celtic victory, they're just they're going out emotional and upset and just taking it out on dogs all over the west of Scotland. Why would you scream sectarian abuse at a dog? It just, it's bizarre. Obviously, he had something he needed to get out of his system, and he did. And then he drops his trousers in front of a 10-year-old. We're kind of glossing over. That's horrific. But and then... It's not the worst thing he did. For the 10-year-old to then say, you've ruined my birthday, and him to reply, I've not fucking ruined your birthday. (laughs) That's that's amazing. It's not amazing. Sorry. It's not amazing. I'm not condoning that in any way, shape or form. But, oh my God. This is... This is what this valley's about. <laughs> Stories like this. This is what we live for in Scotland. And it's Falkirk. It's Falkirk. The, the thing is, right, you might be listening to this and you might be thinking, you're just two are out of order, laughing at that. That poor wee boy, his birthday party. Let me tell you something, right? I was a 10-year-old wee boy once and that wee boy will be dining out on this story for fucking years any of his little pals that were at that party, and I could understand, probably quite traumatic at the time, but kids bounce back. They've got, you know, they, in, in, see it at his, at his 21st birthday party, he'll be in the pub saying, oh, they're always pals. Oh, remember, remember that guy Brian at your 10th birthday? What? What a trampoline man. See the stadium? <laughs> Mind the culture, Doug Athenian bastards. <laughs> Yeah, you're true. That, that's right. I yeah. would dine out in that story for a while. Every cloud. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you ever helped anyone move out of their house? Like, if you're living in a, a flat and you see one of your neighbours, you know, moving out, would you would you help them to lift stuff? If they asked me, I would. If they asked me, I'd go and help. But I wouldn't like. I wouldn't put myself out there. Well. In Dundee, from the Dundee Courier, a good Samaritan helped a struggling man carry bags of gear down several flights of stairs, unaware he was in the middle of robbing his next-door neighbour's home. Now, (laughs) I'm pretty certain. I I live in an apartment at the moment. There's maybe 30 apartment-like flats in this building. I... I don't know my neighbours to speak to properly, but I'm pretty certain I would recognise if some jakey cunt was <laughs> lifting gear out in the flat, and, you know, and in the lift. I wouldn't help. Anyway, this helpful neighbour, this helpful neighbour, uh-huh. accidentally helped Lewis Reed take bags of stolen swag worth nearly £3,000 out into the street. It was only after he had to remind him about stuff he'd left behind that he became suspicious. Now, it turns out that this was a a top-floor flat and the burglar, Reed, had entered through the roof of the flat. So it was at 4.15pm on a Saturday and he heard noises and the neighbour came out and he noticed a bag of belongings on the landing and he helped him take them down the staircase because he thought he was moving out. (laughs) Initially thinking the uh, accused was a resident of the block, the neighbour asked him if he could assist in carrying his item. The accused agreed. Of course you would. Uh, You want a hand with this, mate? Aye, aye, help me take this stuff down. (laughs) They then exited, loaded it in the van, and then when the accused tried to get back in, 
and the door was locked, the neighbour said, oh, I forgot my keys. Have you got a key? And then the guy's like, oh, no, I don't have a key. Because I came in through the fucking roof. <laughs> and that's, that's when the neighbour became suspicious. Right. Anyway, now, I have another suspicion about this. The flat that he burgled, he stole three guitars. Now, <laughs> that's not uncommon. If he's a musician, uh-huh. that's fine. Three guitars, five games consoles, two laptops, and various other items from the third floor flat. Three floors. So he's created a hole in the third floor of this flat and entered through the roof space, stolen all these goods, and the neighbours helped him fucking lift it. (laughs) He admitted breaking into the property and stealing goods worth £2,500. He also admitted breaking into another home two days later, so he wasn't even caught on this instance. Two days later, he did it again, and stole goods worth £1,600. Reed, who is said to have a weighty previous record, so I don't know, I don't know if he's in Weight Watchers or Fat Busters, <laughs> but he's obviously got a weighty record. He yeah. was jailed for 27 months. So I am glad that our loft-burgling, guitar-stealing cunt from Dundee is now off our streets for 27 months. But so that takes a fair effort to crawl into a roof and, yeah. you know, to steal guitars. Five games console, quite an impressive haul from a flat. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think my first question would be, how did he get up onto the roof? Because I, rem- I remember my, my uh, stepmother used to live in Paisley and she lived in a top floor flat and there was two flats in the top floor and the boys that lived with the family on the same floor as her, they, they shared a loft and they climbed up into the loft and kicked through her ceiling to rob her, to they steal stuff off her. And it didn't take the police very long to deduct <laughs> who, the, who the perpetrators were. But I wonder how this guy got away up onto the roof to be able to break in through the loft. Well, I've got one more very quick little Scottish story. It's, it's, it's not a particularly funny one. It's more of a surprising one. You're familiar with uh, the town of Bucky in the northeast of Scotland, I assume? Of course I am. Yeah. I have family that live in Cullen. So I was a regular visitor to Cullen. And Bucky is, of course, just next to Cullen. So yes, I am a, I'm very familiar with Bucky. So you may you may also have a passing familiarity with uh, the Bucky Thistle football team. I I am aware of Bucky Thistle. I could not tell you any of their players or anything, but yes, I am aware of Bucky Thistle. Well, they have got a very surprising celebrity as a fan. So the last time we were when we did Gregory's Girl, no, when we spoke about Gregory's Girl, I should say, on the last podcast. <laughs> We were talking. You you had your story about your Aloha athletic fan in Bradford who had never bothered his arse after twenty years of being a fan to get up to a game. You'll never believe who Bucky Thistle can count among their loyal fans. Okay, I'll, I'll read it to you. It says Bucky Thistle bosses say it is great to have a celebrity as a fan. So obviously they must only have this one celebrity fan after the growing bond between the club. And horror master Stephen King sent jaws dropping across the Highland League over the weekend. The legendary horror writer mentioned the Moray Club in his latest book, which was released in April. At the time, he told the Press and Journal that he'd settled on the Jags, because Bucky Thistle also called themselves the Jags, uh, out of every team in Scotland because he thought the name was so colourful. The club chiefs were delighted if somewhat bemused by the unlikely bit of fame. Now, normally... You'd be like, well, brilliant. You know, the my lo- if you're from Bucky, you'd be like, my local team uh, has been put as a sort of character, maybe, in a book by one of the most, arguably the most famous or celebrated author, living author in the world. But mm. the book's got a bit of an unfortunate name. <laughs> the book is called If It Bleeds. Um, it says, Mr. King, who has sold an, estimate, an estimated 350 million books duly signed two copies to be auctioned off to raise cash for the club, which has, like all the local sides, taken a bit of a taken a very big financial hit during the recent COVID-19 crisis. And as a thank you, the club sent him some merchandise in return. So if you go on the Press and Journal website, you can see a picture of Stephen King at, his, at home. 
in Maine, proudly wearing his uh, Bucky Thistle top and scarf. As Mr King de- depicted an unlikely scenario where American youngsters cheered on the 2016-2017 Highland League champion Smafar as part of an exchange programme. He told the Press and Journal that he looked at a number of football clubs while doing research for an exchange programme. Bucky Thistle was his choice because he thought the name was very colourful. He also said that he hopes that he hopes to attend the game at some point. You know, so maybe maybe he'll come over to Scotland and go and cheer on the the Northeast Jags. Then all the locals can go and ask him when he's going to put some money into the club. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to know that Stephen King has been a fan of Bucky Thistle longer than a friend of ours has been a fan of Ross King. That's that's brilliant. That's a, a, I think we've had a wonderful news roundup here. Indeed, yeah. We like to delve into a key piece of Scottish media, film, stage show, play every week and have a little review. And this week, it was your choice, Greg. So, what are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about the television movie uh, from 1979, starring Frankie Miller, uh, Ken Hutchinson, and Gregor Fisher, Just a Boys Game. It it was part of... um, The BBC had a programme on from 1970 to 1984 called The Play for Today, a sort of anthology series where, you know, it would be like a a self-contained hour or hour and a half episode. Some of the plays or the shows went on to become TV series in their own right. Boys from the Black Stuff is is quite a famous example of it and Rumpled of the Bailey. Just a Boys Game uh, was written by Peter McDougall. I believe it was his third uh, production for uh, Play for Today. It's set in Greenock over a Friday, over a Thursday and a Friday in the 1970s. As I mentioned before, it stars Frankie Miller, uh, the famous rock musician. I think this was his only acting role, and he he, portray, he portrays Jake McQuillan, former sort of hard man around Greenock, trying to kind of grow up a little bit and leave his leave his reputation behind while he while he goes on a bit of a booze odyssey with his with his with his pal dancer played by Ken uh, Ken Hutchinson and his other pal Tanza played by Gregor Fisher. So had you seen this before, Nicky? It was my first time that I actually watched this. And usually for the podcast I will watch things twice. I watch it once to make notes and then I watch it a second time to absorb. And I had to watch this back-to-back, effectively, because I watched it the first time and I loved it so much that I ended up going back and watching it pretty much straight away again. I I really loved this, and one of the great things is that it helped me discover Frankie Miller as well, a musician I hadn't really thought about for, for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of came across this... It, years ago, maybe around the late nineties, I caught it on the BBC. It was on one Saturday night. It must maybe they were do maybe they were commemorating something, or or they were just maybe they were commemorating a play for today. I'm not really sure, but it was on one one Saturday evening, and I watched it. And the, the, my main reason for watching it was because Gregor Fisher was in it, and with one or two other actors that I sort of half recognised. But then I, I didn't see it again for a long time. And about 2005, Peter McDougall's work was released on DVD. Uh, the, the day the record, these are, this is back in the days when I still bought a newspaper. The day the record, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking about the releases. Billy Conley stars in a couple of Peter McDougall's plays. He's in um, mm. Just Another Saturday and Elephant's Graveyard. So I, I picked them up and kind of rediscovered Just a Boys Game. And, you know, what. The thing that kind of really strikes me out of it the most is Frankie Miller. As far as I've, as far as I can find out in my research for the podcast, he'd never done any acting before. Obviously, a showman, being the the front man for a band and successful musician and songwriter, but you know he's he's absolutely brilliant in it. You would you would never think at at no point do you get the the impression that. He's this. He's he's a he's an amateur actor, or he's new to it, and he's in almost every single scene. There's there's very few scenes that he doesn't appear in, and he's he's he's, he's brilliant. It was indeed. It was his only acting role. 
There's a, a great story that Billy Connolly tells, and it was in a documentary about Frankie Miller. A- Alex Harvey from the sensational Alex Harvey band. Someone owed him money, and he wanted to go and collect this debt, but he was a bit scared to go alone. So he asked Frankie if he would go with him, and he said, just just stand behind me and give that face that you gave on the TV show, just look menacing. And so Frankie went along with him, and they got the money. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, he's, as, as a musician, he's really highly respected all over the world. You know what I mean? Like, when, he, when, he, when he had his brain hemorrhage, he was writing, he had just formed a, a new band with Nicky Hopkins and uh, Joe Walsh. He was, he, was, he was writing music when he, when he fell ill, but he's, you know, he, he absolute. Amongst like, I think he's a real musician's musician. You know, Rod Stewart reckons he's the only white guy that can make him cry. I'm not sure what he means. Maybe it's that face, like maybe it's that face that he does. <laughs> As I say, after watching this, I did go down a bit of a Frankie Miller rabbit hole on YouTube, and I downloaded his first four albums. I think, and he really is a true talent. There's quite a there's a little concert uh, that he did in the seventies that's on you, you can see it on YouTube, and he's in he's in Germany, and I don't know if it's maybe the first time he's he'd ever played in Germany. He, he looks quite young in the in the footage. I think I've, I'd, I'd heard before that German audiences they tend to be quite respectful of whoever they're watching, but not necessarily. They won't necessarily throw the, show their enthusiasm like perhaps American or British crowds at concerts do. But they'll sit very politely and they'll clap after every song, you know, to show that they've enjoyed the performance. And it, I, I guess Frankie wasn't used to that, that type of appreciation. So it's, when, he, when he finishes a song and there's this polite smattering of applause, and he's like, is there anybody out there? <laughs> He's, he's all still awake. <laughs> the Voyager pub, of course, just where we first see Frankie and his luscious long locks. It just reminded me of your dad. The the pictures I've seen of your dad from the 70s on Facebook. Frankie Miller just looked a hell of a lot like him. In <laughs> those Facebook photos I've seen of your dad. Yeah. Your dad looks like Frankie Miller back in the well, day. Well, my dad doesn't have that lovely sort of honey-coloured hair that Frankie has, unfortunately. The Voyager pub, I think, is worth discussing because the film is set in Greenock in the you know in the in the nineteen seventies. Now, I I was born in nineteen seventy-eight, so obviously, you know, I was only one when this came out. But when I was a wee boy, I can remember parts of Glasgow being like really quick I mean Glasgow went Glasgow went through a massive kind of regeneration in the 1980s and the early 1990s with uh, the whole Glasgow Smiles Better and the Glasgow Garden Festival European City of Culture all that kind of thing but I can certainly remember parts of it that were yet to be developed that were you know like pretty grim you know the Voyager pub you know straight away and you know we've, we've, we've all been in pubs where you, you, you suddenly get that little kind of frish on that something's going to fucking kick off any minute. You know, just like a voice will mm. raise, or a voice will raise slightly or there's, you know, the air gets a bit thick. But for that that whole first scene when they're in there, you have even, you could be your first time watching this and I guess we're ruining it for you, but you just know that something's going to kick off. You know, as soon as they yeah. start, they, they, they start kind of bantering with the, with the, with the barmaid and, you know, the, the 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 girl bumps into bumps into dancer and makes him spill his drinks, and he he kind of noises her up a bit. I, I don't know if I'd be that if I'd be that enthusiastic to go to the Voyager pub, Nikki. <laughs> no, it's not the type of place that I would go. I I do remember in student days, we would obviously go to the the nicer places i mean the cheaper places but you wouldn't go anywhere that you would get into fights or trouble there was a one occasion we there was a group of us out and we went to the belmont bar on belmont street now it wasn't a massively rough pub but it it had a little bit of a reputation anyway we were 
probably in our early 20s, and we thought it would be hilarious to go up to the jukebox and put, like, five quid into the jukebox and put Cotton Eye Joe by Rednecks on repeat. I think it lasted until the third play, and then we were asked to leave the pub. Well, I can remember, you know, we would sometimes, in our Aberdeen days, if it had been a particularly heavy one, we'd maybe go to the schooner down at the docks that that, that used to open really early in the morning for the guys coming in off the boats. You know, if you're feeling a bit a bit a bit brave, a, a, a bit gallus after a night, you know, when the booze or whatever, and you'd be good, good, you kind of you could sort of go in there, and it was always kind of you know the, the the guys that frequented pubs like that, they they were like kind of professional pubs. They they weren't the kind of people that drank in the pubs that we would normally drink in. These were guys. These were the 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 full on pint of lager and a half a whiskey. That's around. Mm. You know, they're, they're, you know they're, they, they sort of bed in, kind of dig their foxhole. They know they're going to be in there for a while. And, like, proper drinkers. I, I can remember my uncle taking me to the Masonic Lodge just off Saracen Street in Postle Park uh, after a funeral once. And I just I just didn't belong in there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's, not me say, that's not me saying anything disparaging against the people that were in it. But... Yeah, I don't. I don't come from that world, you know. Maybe when I was a wee boy, I did, but as an adult, I don't belong in those pubs. And I, I, even my uncle said, "You don't belong in here, son." <laughs> come on, come on, come on, we'll go up the tune. <laughs> the Voyager does indeed set the tone for the play, and one of my favourite lines and interactions is in the very beginning when, of course, there's the altercation with the boyfriend and the girl. That's my bud. Serves you right. Yeah, that, the, 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 the sort of ticker tape is kind of lit for the whole episode in that, that little scene that you described there. So, yeah, so, so the story is of you know, Jake sort of taking the high road and going home that night, but... His pal dancer is up for. He's got a carry out. The, 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 the carry out bag never wavers. Jake says they end up. Jake was off to his work on the on the Friday morning, and dancer who's been who's been on the lash. He's been home for a, a, a sleep on the couch. Managed to run away from home by sticking a load of bread up his um, shirt, and then goes out. He tells his wife he's just gone out for a loaf. <laughs> the reality is he's straight into the off license and then and then this is the thing Jake's a crane operator at the shipyard in Greenock and Dancer climbs up the crane to his wee cabin at the top of the crane Indeed, just prior to that you get to meet Jake's grandmother and you get to see the relationship that they have and, of course, you get to meet his grandfather and the two of them are sat there and the granddad just comes out with... You're a big dick. So they tell me. You're no good to yourself here. I didn't ask to come here. Well, get the hell out of it, then. You can't leave it, can you? Listen, I'm due for planting only time new and her next door, she's going to win a marathon and lift a Queen's Telegram. You'll be humpy back at it before you're allowed to leave this house. And that does set the tone of the relationship, what the grandfather and Jake have. And, of course, you have to remember that, effectively, the grandfather killed Jake's dad. And they said he was away in America, but he was actually in prison. This then, as you say, Dancer, of course, goes to visit Jake at the docks and declares that today is a holiday. I've just declared Friday a holiday, that's all. I mean, I've got to say, uh, Ken Hutchinson uh, is brilliant in this as 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 dancer, and he I read mm. it. There's not an awful, there's not a huge amount about uh, Ken Hutchinson online, but apparently a very very highly respected character actor. You know, they, they were, they were the one line I did see about him. Somebody had written that Hollywood's loss was uh, was the UK's gain. When he didn't, because he he was in um, he was in Straw Dogs, Ken Hutchinson, the Sam Peckinpah's 
film with Dustin Hoffman and Susan George, the one set in the south of England. He plays one of the one of the villains in Straw Dogs, uh, and he's in. He's also in Just Another Saturday, which is also written by Peter McDougall about um, the Orange Band in Glasgow. He, he plays a he, he plays a, an orange man. But I mean, there's loads of things he's been in. He was he was in the Sweeney's and all sorts. But he seems to have to to kind of quote a line from the the film. He's he's kind of hung up his guns. Ken Hutchinson, I think you don't. He's still living, but you don't. He doesn't seem to be acting anymore. But he's absolutely brilliant as 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 dancer. We then get to meet Clate Bella, and it's so sad, but it's so funny the interactions. You know, dancer is so obviously trying to get a threesome on the go with Jake and Clate Bella and himself, and Jake is just not interested in this. And I'd be the same as Jake and just want to leave. Uh, you know, you, you, you have to admire Jake's tact. You know, he's like, "Yeah, you go and get, you go and you, you go and get started." So I'll, I'll just go for facts. <laughs> <clears throat> ah, yes, the ice cream van for fags. It's it's wonderful. And we had a school van that used to come to our school at lunchtime. We'd park outside and sold pick and mix and ice cream. But they also sold cigarettes. And you could buy a packet, but you could buy a single cigarette for, I think it was 20p back then. As long as you had a national insurance card, because that proved that you were over 16. So you could purchase cigarettes from this ice cream van. The the van man has got a great line as well. When uh, they're asking, he's asking what, what, what they're he says, oh, are, are, is that you up at Clatty Bella's? And Jake says, yeah, it's good day for it (laughs) the next part when they go to the garage and meet Gregor Fisher's character this is a theme that I think is going to be quite prevalent throughout the Swally in terms of actors so we get to see Dave Anderson now of course he played probably most famously Mr. McClelland in City Lights but Going back to the last episode, he also played Gregory's dad in Gregory's Girl. I mean, I think what we'll what we'll find as we as we go through uh, different shows and films over the, you know over the over the episodes is there are just some Scottish staples. Like he is a very a very good example of one. But there's also I Eileen Eileen McCallum who plays uh, who, who who plays the wife in the car as well it's giving him a hard time because he, he can't work out the petrol pump um, mm. but she's you know, she was in uh, the steamy she was in Take the High Road for years she was one of the main characters she ran the shop in Take the High Road she's in uh, another at least two other Peter McDougall productions uh, the, the first one that he had commissioned Just Your Luck and um, she plays the mother in Just Another Saturday so she's another so a, a actor of that time that just seems to, and I'm sure she, I'm sure she was more recently in River City as well. Eileen McCallum, I'll have to look her up, but I'm sure that she did a she did a stint in River City as well, maybe about ten fifteen years ago. The scene in the snooker hall where he bundles the young guy into the toilet when he discovers McCafferty is on his way, and he just doesn't say anything. It's just you know in the office. And the menacing stares that he gives this guy, that the young kid, and just stares him down. That's the scene that really, that really kind of solidifies the character's reputation. You know what I mean? Like he's he's obviously at one point he's been like a quite a feared kind of hard guy, and this young guy. Has been kind of captured by him in the toilets, and he's, you know, he's he's kind of roughed him up a wee bit just by, by bustling him into the, into the toilet, but he just stares at him, you know, he just stares at him until the young guy just bursts into tears, you know what I mean? So even though this the character of this young guy is probably running about with a team of boys and trying to be hard himself and all that, and you know, kind of go for the title if you like um 
and you know he's just he, he realizes that that this character Jake could quite easily just leave him in pieces in the toilet. To your point, without Jake saying anything or really or really threatening him, you know, he just kind of stares him down until he bursts into tears and tells him everything that he wants to know, you know. This, of course, leads to the climactic brawl in the shipyard and the line that gets delivered when they realise that the guys are waiting for them, you know, in front of them. And I think Dancer says, you know, we'll go the other way. And Jake delivers the line. All right, I'm back the way we came. You don't go back. You don't go back. It's such a, a pivotal line. And, and that's the life that they live. You know, you don't go back. That's the way that they live their life and their codes that they adhere to. Yep, uh, I mean, and considering that it's you know that's it's obviously it's 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 quite old. It was probably made on a bit of a budget because um, it was BBC television production. The the fight, the 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 violence is, you know, it's squeamishly realistic. You know what I mean? The the guys, you know, you when you, when you see the the kind of young guys turn up and they're pulling like razors and, mach- and machetes out of their jacket pockets and everything you get that sort of this isn't going to go well at all and then when it when it kicks off and they're swiping and kind of rolling about with each other and all that it's it, it you know it feels incredibly authentic and uncomfortable and you know like some a lot of uh, films and tv shows they get a, they get a bit of a hard time in the media for glamorizing violence. I think you know this goes completely the other way. You know, if you ever if you, if, if if you had never had a fight in your adult life, after watching that, you'd probably be maybe take extra care to avoid them to avoid one. Do you know what I mean? Because it's it's you 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 just kind of want that scene to be over. And of course, when the when it does come to an end, it has quite a tragic end. Um, with a dancer trying to run away from the the two guys with the with the knives and he kind of clotheslines himself on a on a shipping rope and ends up falling down onto the I'm not sure what it is he lands on but the kind of bottom of the dock right under the, the sort of dry dock he falls into the dry dock right next to the ship. Yes, and that is a terrible ending for dancer. He's you know he's the happy go lucky part of the trio and. He just wants to have a laugh and have his holiday, but he meets his, you know, untimely demise. And, of course, Jake isn't going to back down, so we get to the wonderful line. And is this a, a Glaswegian term for let's go for it? McCafferty! You're teasing! Yeah, it is. I mean, your tease, it's more just your beat, you know, I think. Um, and it, it can be used in any sort of context. You know, if you, if you think that you're, if you think you're going to the pub tonight, well, you're tease it. <laughs> um, it's more of, yeah, it's not so much let's have a, let's have a fight. It's more the, you know, you're beaten or, or this isn't happening for you, you know. I think that is more in that context, but yeah, that's quite a common one. It's not, uh, it's not as obscure as calling somebody a trampoline. Well, obviously, a trampoline is now the correct term of abuse to use in Glasgow if you're going to be getting into a fight. And of course, to discuss the ending when. Jake's grandfather is on his deathbed, effectively, and that leads to a couple of, of great scenes. Yeah, with uh, Jake and his mother. So yeah, we, we didn't really talk about about about, the, about that. It's established quite early on in the, the first scene with Jake and his granny, um, and we learn that uh, Jake has, was left with his granny, uh, presumably after his father died, his mother, for for reasons that aren't really explained, didn't want to or couldn't raise him or whatever. 
and uh, she lives. We 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 find out later on as well that she lives near to Clatty Bellas, <laughs> so he's he's trying to avoid walking past her window. Um, but then, yeah, in this last scene that that you're talking about, or these this, these late scenes rather that you're talking about, the mother has turned up with uh, his his auntie and his uncle because they expect that the granddad doesn't have long left. And I have to say, we didn't say the the, the granddad's played by Hector Nicol, who was quite a famous stand-up comedian in Scotland. Um, you know, so he's so very much playing against uh, type, but he plays the the bitter old sort of former kind of gang gang leader or hard man really, really well. Um, and you, know, I think you, you you sort of learn in these scenes that all that Jake's ever really craved was a bit of approval from his granda, you know, by kind of following the same kind of violent tendencies, violent life that his granddad had uh, had followed. All, all he's really wanted is a bit is that sort of stamp of approval. And they, the 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 first thing that granda says to him is. I was never fond of you. <laughs> I've never been fond of you. That's the thing. He killed Jake's father, but Jake just wants his respect. You know, he was the big man, and, well, you know, that effectively ends the story. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, I guess it's, it's, it's sort of bittersweet, because like, Jake's character, you know, when you when we first meet him, he's... You know, he's 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 gotten into a bit of a skirmish in the pub, but you know, he's you're sort of we're, we're sort of told that he doesn't really march to the beat of that drummer anymore. He's a wee bit older. Um, you know, he's he 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 works. He knows he's working the next day, so he's 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 not going to stay out in the lash with the guys and all that. But you know, kind of through the the process of the story, they, you know, he's boozing and he finds actually. You know, because of the events in the pub, he doesn't really want to walk away from it. He feels just the same as he had felt when he was younger. You know, he's still got something to prove. He's not going to let these young guys come and, you know, kind of take him down. And and it's all just, you know, all, all that is just underpinned by this relationship that he has with his, with his grandfather. I do have a, a slight issue with this, if, if I had to pick anything. And... At the beginning, you get to see the the bond and the relationship that Jake has with his grandmother. Little things like when they're speaking, you know, the granddad says, get my bed ready. And she turns around and sticks out her tongue at Jake. And you kind of get that feeling they have this bond. And towards the end, when the grandmother is you know passing away and jake's having a go at his mum and his uncle and he says that they've all bled him dry and includes the grandmother in this which doesn't really fit with the relationship that i thought they had yeah i don't know i mean i'm not really sure what he was getting at there whether he was whether it's part of his sort of transition that he sort of regressed back to where the 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 grand is the one that he that he wants to identify with, not the granny, not the mother, you know, not the uncle. Um, to be, I mean? yeah. It's it's only seventy one minutes long, and I would not cut anything from this. There's there's no fat to trim in this play. It's it's thoroughly enjoyable and a very easy watch. I mean, it's I think, amazing. and that's I, I, that. I think that's the sort of beauty of these sort of anthology series, like kind of play for today. You know, the, the the example we're talking about. You know, it's going to be in a TV. You don't have like two hours to tell a story. You don't have like six one-hour episodes to tell a story. You know, it's very economical. Uh, writing by by Peter McDougall, you know, and it, I said, you know, I mean, the, 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 it, it is basically a play, you know, um, a play without an interval, and you know, the, this that if you watch Peter McDougall's other uh, 
other plays for today. I mean, there's only one. There's, I think, it's only ever written one film, and that's uh, Sense of Freedom about Jimmy Boyle, which was a which is an actual film. But his other ones, like Just Another Saturday, Elephant's Graveyard, it's very economical. It's it, it's it's an hour. It's pacey. You know, the story doesn't really slow down. You know, to 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 use your to use your expression, there's no fat there. It's just this is a story. This is all. This is all. This is everything that you need to know about these characters, you know. And they're they're, they're established immediately from meeting them. You know, if you go through them, you know, we meet um, Jake, Dancer, and Tanza in the pub. You you kind of know everything that you need to know about these guys in the first couple of minutes, you know. And even even when you meet um, Dancer's wife later on, you know. That their relationship is established, and it, it, you know that that scene's only about ten minutes long, but you know everything about their relationship straight away. You know she she's frustrated with him. She knows that he's unreliable and he's got a booze problem and everything. Yet, you know he can always win around. She's still really fond of him. He's got a good relationship with his kids. It, you know, it, it's just I mean it's it's a it's a real masterclass. What's interesting about Peter McDougall is that he's got no um, he's got no formal training. He didn't study writing. He was like like he he comes from Greenock, where the, most of his work is set. He's uh, he's he's worked in the shipyards. He's decided when he's seventeen that working in the yards isn't for him. He's gone off. He's 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 gone off to London to become a house painter, um, and it's just he's he's. Been lucky enough to meet um, the actor and writer Colin Welland um, and kind of befriend him when he was painting his house. And Colin Welland's encouraged them to, you know, to write about his experiences. And in you know, it's just, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a great story. And when you see Peter McDougall be, being interviewed now, he's he's not not what you would expect um, from a. Uh, a very successful and celebrated writer, you know, he's a very down earth guy. You know, the three guys—they're—they're they're a group of friends, and you can relate to that. You've got Jake, who's the—you know—the guy that you would want to to back you up in a fight, you know. But he's also—I don't know if he's necessarily the guy that goes looking for the fight anymore, but. If there was going to be a fight, you want him on your side. Then Tanza, who is your your proper mate, and he's going to stick with you through thick and thin, and always be there. And then, of course, this Dancer, who is the you know the Joker, the comedy guy in the the circle. But unfortunately, he's the one that meets the sad end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you, because you've met his wife and his children and. So it makes what happens to him all the more tragic, you know. If if it had been Tanza that had that had been killed at the end, it wouldn't it wouldn't have had the same impact because you know he's 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 actually not in it all that much. Gregor Fisher, you know, there's a, there's a full sort of thirty forty minutes where we don't even see him. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, you know, I it's it. It's kind of sort of shows what I think quite accurately what the west of Scotland was like in the nineteen seventies. You know the scenes in the in the shipyard toilets are really funny with the old guy that's hiding from the foreman in the cubicle and he's got his apprentice bringing him cups of tea and all that. You know, um, you know I think you know, everybody says that if you want to embark. And being a writer, you should write about what you know, and I think, you know, that's what Peter McDougall's done in all his work. He, 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 he doesn't create these worlds because, but he, he's lived in them and he can, he can articulate them incredibly well. So, out of all of those involved in Just a Boy's Game, who do you think went on to have the best career? I would probably say because we haven't really mentioned um, that the play was directed by John McKenzie, and I think I would probably, I would probably have to put him down 
um, as the best career because he, he went on to direct The Long Good Friday, um, sort of seminal 1980s British gangster film with Bob Hoskins and Charlie off Casualty, bizarrely. Um, and uh, and he directed, Helen Mirren. And Helen Mirren, sorry, of course, yeah. yeah. And Pierce Brosnan, yeah, you know, so... Um, I, you know, the, his work beyond that is he did a he did the Fourth Protocol with Michael Caine and Pierce Brosnan, and he also directed a show that we'll maybe talk about um, in a future episode called and you you would probably remember this. Um, remember looking after Jojo? Yes, I do, and in fact, it's on my list of things that I would like to review for the podcast. Spoiler alert, but we'll get to it one day. So he directed. Um, all the, I think it was like a three or four parter looking after Jojo. He directed all those episodes. So yeah, I, I, I guess I would probably, if we're talking about in the who had the most successful career in the world of acting, and you know, not if it's going to be music, it's going to be Frankie Miller. But I think you know, in that in that industry, I would have to say John McKenzie. I'd have to agree with you on that. Frankie Miller, it could be argued, but he obviously had a an established career anyway. Uh, perhaps Gregor Fisher, because he was, you know, recognisable and well known for, you know, Rhapsody Nesbitt, Naked Video, um, Baldy Man. Uh, but yeah, I think I would probably say you're right on John McKenzie. I mean, what, I, I watched a, an interview with Peter McDougall, quite a recent interview. Um, there's a podcast called Chinwags with Ginty. Sorry, not Ginty. Because uh, we were talking about uh, Jim McGinty's last night, uh, Chinwags with Jinky, um, where Peter McDougall's been interviewed, and he said of all his play for today output, it it was all it was all made by the BBC, but not by BBC Scotland. So BBC Scotland turned up, turned all these things down. They were still made because the BBC proper, uh, the London-based BBC, saw the merit in them and. In the wish that obviously all still filmed in Greenock and Glasgow in Scotland, but he he said you know he, he was he said that he was having a really successful career, like quite a successful career, until he left London and moved back to Scotland. And I remember going to uh, the Sunday Mail Sports Awards uh, years ago, and I met uh, what's his name, the kind of Gleish was being honoured, and so there was a few. Scottish celebrities there and I was talking to David Haytham uh, who was in Trial and Retribution and he plays Jimmy Boyle in um, A Sense of Freedom and lots of other stuff as well quite a famous actor and we were talking about Peter McDougall and he said that Peter McDougall can't get anything or if that this would mean that 2010 he said he can't get anything commissioned um, he's, 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 he, he writes a lot of poetry now he's not writing drama anymore um now i don't know i was thinking i was thinking why, why would bbc scotland turn all that sort of thing down but i think probably at the time there was scotland had a bit of a stigma especially the west of scotland you know so sort of glasgow sectarian division and a reputation as being like a hard city and that sort of thing and you know the bbc scotland didn't really want to in their minds, maybe promote that element of the culture, whereas the London-based BBC just wanted to produce good drama. You know, I'm not sure, but it's it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's uh, uh, Moore, uh in the West End of Glasgow at the top of Byers, on the, on the sort of corner of Byers Road and Great Western Road. It's a nightclub and it's also got a little theatre in it and. I don't know if they still do it, but they used to do every day. They would do a play, a pie, and a pint, and they would commission plays. So Greg Hemphill, for example, he had a couple of plays there, and they were like little short things, like maybe barely even a sketch, like sort of thirty minutes at lunchtime. You go in, you have your pie, you have your pint, you watch a play. It would only ever happen in Glasgow, <laughs> that sort of thing. And I believe Peter McDougall had a couple of. Um, I think he had a couple of things put on there uh, in this in this format, but it'd be great to see him um, make a comeback. With uh, you, you were thinking, 
the times we live in now with all the streaming platforms and there's a lot of money, a lot more money being put into producing really good drama than ever before. You'd like to think that there's maybe a comeback in the cards for him. So I think that probably wraps up just a boys game. Thank you once again for introducing this to me, Greg. I really enjoyed it. Well, I was thinking, we have done a stage show, we've done a film, and technically we've just done a play. So I thought, let's do a TV show. So I absolutely loved this show when it was first on, but I don't think I've seen it since it was first on. It's only six parts, so it's not too long that we're going to have to watch. So this is a 1999 Channel 4 series which follows the ups and downs of a young Glaswegian band, Jocks Wahey. I'd like to look at The Young Person's Guide to Becoming a Rock Star. Oh, Have you ever seen it? Do you know, I remember watching the first episode when it was on. Because I think Mandy off EastEnders is in it. Yes, she was indeed. Yes, do the Scottish accent. No, so yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to that. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can follow us on Instagram at CultureSwallyPod, or you can email us with anything you'd like us to review or any news stories you'd like us to cover on CultureSwally at gmail.com. Until next time, see you later. See you later. Oh, no. Get yourself, Dave Spock.